0: This is Gary Moore again.
1: Yes, sir, from a small back room, we bring you a lazy program of pleasant songs and easy conversation. The songs are furnished by Eileen Woods and Ken Carson. At the piano and organ, you'll find Irving Miller and Bill Wardell. This is Howard Petrie speaking... And the next voice you'll hear will be the lad himself, Gary Moore.
0: <laughs> Hello out there. I don't know exactly what Howard said, but this is I. This is I, Gary Moore. Anyhow, howdy everybody along the party line. Here we go again. The first item on this section of the program, which, uh, just to be coy, we will call item number one, is the piano duet by Irving Miller and Billy Wardella to Twin Steinways. Uh, Irving, do you have your usual program notes on today's number, please? Here comes Irving. Thank you. You know, Irving usually jots down our background information so that we'll uh, know exactly what the tune is about. Now, says, uh, here they are for today. It says, Dear Gary, this is a little arrangement that Billy and I whittled out one Sunday afternoon while sorting out badminton. Sorting out bad men, huh? The uh, The tune which forms the basis for the arrangement was originally an early Egyptian egg-candling chant known as, Until you turned my damper down, I thought I was cooking with gas. <laughs> Very good. Our arrangement became popular overnight. But the next day, nothing. <laughs> so we started over again, revising the melody with a harmonic background formed by two referees' whistles and an E-flat plumber's friend, with the lead carried by a small non-union red cap named Mrs. Harrison. <laughs> this arrangement was really a success, and under the title of You're Such a Comfort to Me was the hit tune of the musical comedy, Let's Call It Quilts. Will kid you. And the names Miller and Wardell became household words, like, Ouch, and now look what you've done. Well, Gary Irving says, after giving this tune such a build-up, everybody would just think we were bragging if we went ahead and played it. So in our usual modest way, we will play a tune that we didn't have nothing whatsoever to do with. (laughs) This is called an aboriginal hitchhiking song. Indian (laughs) Thummer.
2: Oh, mm-hmm.
0: Twin Keyboards in Indian Summer. Now, friends, we come to our open forum, at which time we open, throw the house open to questions. I know that we have a lot of you people in our audience today who are from out of town who would like to ask us questions possibly about our town, about Hollywood, or about radio, or the people on our show, or any questions that you'd like to ask us. We'll be very happy to try to answer them for you as honestly and straightforwardly as we possibly can. Okay, fine. Now, Howard has the first question over in this aisle. What is your name, please? Uh,
3: Mrs. Evelyn Hyder.
0: How do you do? Where are you from?
3: Uh, Torrance, California.
0: Uh-huh. What, what's your question?
3: Uh, this question is about you, Gary Moore. I've heard you uh, many years ago on Club Matinee, and you did a poem that's one of my favorites. I think it's the loveliest you've ever done. The one about the worm named Motor. And I wonder if you'd do it again sometime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, heavens, I haven't thought of that in years. Bless you, I shall. Uh... <laughs> I'll tell you this. We get people right in. They say, When are you going to do Elsie the Glowworm or Hugh the Blue Noob? Well, I guarantee you, with, uh, you're going to hear them all. I have forgotten about that one myself. I must have it stuffed uh, home under an old rat hole or something, and I'll, I'll certainly look it up. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Yes, can. back in this aisle. What is your name, sir?
1: Charles Anderson.
0: Where are you from, Mr. Anderson? Here in L.A. Good. What's your question?
1: Well, I was wondering how you can possibly broadcast five hours a week and still be so funny, and most comedians have a hard job of it with half an hour once a <laughs> week.
0: How did he get a seat way in the back? Bring him down front. Bring the man down front. Here he comes. Up on the stage, come on up!
2: <laughs> come on
0: up on the stage. Nice to see you, Charlie. How are you? Fairly well, thanks. Uh, g- give me the hand microphone, where you? Can let me get over here. Am I on now? <laughs> get a load of this guy. stands six foot twelve. <laughs> How tall are you, Charlie? I'm well, about six three and a
2: half.
0: Six three and a half. Holy mm-hmm. moly! You know, on the, it's lucky. I mean, we're, we're lucky compared to a guy like this. You see, when it's raining on us, it's snowing on him.
2: <laughs>
0: Charlie, I thank you. That's one of the nicest things that's ever been said about us. Where would you? What can we do for you?
1: <laughs> we'll just keep being funny. Ah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, dear. That's very nice, indeed. Thank you very much. There are days, I tell you, when I want to go out and shoot myself. Uh, you see, that is one of the tough things about radio. I'll be very frank with you. You see, the, the trouble with it is that, that you have to be on at a certain hour every day. In other words, when you're writing a script, it just happens some days that you can't think of anything funny. And you know it's a bad script. You know it. But you can't go on. You can't open your show by saying, well, friends, it's going to be pretty lousy today because we couldn't think of anything. LAUGHTER you have to go out there and play this crummy stuff like you believed in it. <laughs> if you did, if you could only do a show when you felt that you had something really great to do, but there doesn't a day go by when you say to yourself, gee, if I just had four more hours to work on the script, I could make the show better. But you don't have the four more hours, so you go on anyhow. Okay, uh, who's got the next question? Howard, over there in your aisle. Uh,
1: Lady here, your name, please. Sarah
0: Pierce. Good.
3: Where are you from? New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is
1: just a note of appreciation.
3: I wanted to thank you for the nice work you did when you took over for Tom Brenneman.
0: Oh, well, gee, that was a, that was a privilege. Uh, I tell you, it scared me out of 10 years' growth, though. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget the first day when I uh, uh, took over. Well, I say took over for Tom, you couldn't do it. There's no such thing. Uh, uh, but again, getting back to the thing that when the time comes for the radio show, the show has got to go on, that's all. You can't just have a half an hour in silence and say, I'm sorry we can't have a program today. You have to do something. So I thought I'd try it. And you talk, you say a note of appreciation. I want to say to all of our friends who were listening to Breakfast in Hollywood at that time that we would have never made it if it hadn't been for the tremendous uh, spirit of goodwill that was behind the letters that you people wrote in. In other words, the thing that I was afraid of when I started that was that everybody was going to say, Oh, look, now he's trying to take Tom Brenneman's place. As I told him on the first show, I couldn't uh, take Tom's place and I wasn't going to attempt it. But instead of uh, uh, getting an attitude from the listeners that I was trying to push myself in where I wasn't wanted, I got the feeling from them that they wanted me to make good. They wanted the thing to work. And that was the thing that made it possible for, uh, for us to go on. Thank you very much. All right. Who's got the next question? Uh, what is your name, please?
3: Mrs. Solomon.
0: And where are you from, Mrs. Solomon? Chicago. Uh-huh.
3: I want to know if this co- this program is on from coast to coast and at what time in Chicago. I haven't heard it before. I'd like to listen to it when I get back home.
0: Oh, I would love to have you listen to the show in Chicago. Uh, Unfortunately, it's going to take very sharp ears because when the program gets to Des Moines, Iowa, it takes a detour through an old gopher hole and comes up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. We we are not heard in Chicago for some reason. I don't know. I I inflicted uh, this uh, same type of show on Chicago for many years on a program called Club Matinee. And uh, we do wish we were carried in Chicago, but they're uh, they've got the uh, shows on at the time that we're on that have um, what do you call them sponsors? Sponsors. It's you remember Ken sponsors? Yeah, yeah. I vaguely. <laughs> I... But as soon as we get a sponsor, we will be on in Chicago. Thank you. Uh, but don't wait around. <laughs> Yes, all right, uh, back here, Howard. Mrs. Singer. And where are you from, Mrs. Hollywood. Good for you. This is
3: not a question. I just wanted to say that your show is very entertaining and it's very good. You're all very, very good.
0: Well, thank you. This is. I'm glad we started this session today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but let, let's have no more questions, just testimonials, shall we?
2: <laughs> Who
0: knows, maybe somebody's listening. All right, who's got the next question? The lady back here has her hand up. Um, oh, can you have somebody in the second row? Money. Oh, I, had just well, said, I was just kidding. I, but, I had
3: just said to my sister, how can he be so funny five days a week? But you have such wonderful cooperation.
0: Sure, I don't do anything. I just stand there and, and turn my mouth on and but walk away a little bit running. They, they
3: one of them just die laughing all the time. at you, and They hear you every day. I think it's wonderful.
0: <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> this isn't what I had in mind for the question section. You're embarrassing me now. All right, uh, this lady over here, what is your name, please?
3: Mrs. Frances Marshall.
0: And uh, what is your question, Mrs. Marshall?
3: Well, I just want to know how you can afford to work without a sponsor. Do you get pay or what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How can we afford to work without a sponsor? Uh... Well, as a matter of fact, you see, we are sponsored, we are sponsored by the Columbia Broadcasting System. Uh, (laughs) and they have a fellow in New York, a fellow by the name of Zach Becker, who is in charge of paying the members of the CBS staff. And he told us the first day, he said, my boy, this show is too good for to be sponsored. So we want to keep you for our very, very own. And for that, we will pay you, uh, well, we won't pay you, but uh...
2: <laughs>
0: No, as a matter of fact, uh, we are what is known as sustaining, which is a way of saying that uh, we are a, a CBS property. Uh, we belong. we are the exclusive property of CBS by contract. We belong to them along with um, uh, six dozen brooms to sweep the hall wealth and other equipment, and they hope uh, that they will sell us sometime soon. And they better, kid, because rickets are setting in) <laughs> Well, come now, let's let's have some music around the joint here. friends, is my old hunting partner, yeah. Ken Carson, to sing something with a very improbable title,
4: Crocodile Tears. Yes, sir, e Bob uh, Gary. This is a this is a brand new song. It's not not brand new to the uh, uh, millions of listeners who have heard it, but it's it's, uh, it's rather brand new uh, coming up. You know,
0: it's a uh, it's heading for the hit parade, I think. Well, good. Let's hear it. Ken Carson, my friends, and Crocodile Tears.
4: Crocodile tears each time they fall somehow I know be nothing at all Whenever I find you're not sincere You hide behind your crocodile tears You turn them on and off anytime. Anywhere, as long as you can cry, you don't care. Telling those lies down through the years with just your eyes and your crocodile tears. Anytime, anywhere, as long as you can cry, you don't care. Telling those lies down through the years with just your eyes and your crocodile tears. Don't you hide behind those crocodile tears.
0: A new song, <laughs> Ken Carson singing for you, "Crocodile Tears." Found an article in one of our local papers last night that I was very happy to see. The headline here is "U.S. Declares War on Talent Sharks." The reason that made me so very happy is because it is an answer in print to uh, several letters that we get constantly in our mail. Uh, In in all of our mail every week, I suppose that we must get 10 or 20 letters at least every week. People who have sent us in songs that they have written that they would like to either have us uh, sing for them on the show or in most cases they say, "How can uh, can you help me to get these tunes published? And uh, it seems that almost everybody who ever played a piano at any time during their life or anybody who ever uh, made Moon rhyme with June has written a song. And they all write in, and most of, them, most of them are pretty upset. They say, gee whiz, how can I get started? And they will tell you about the, their tough financial circumstances at home and how they're trying to get into the songwriting business with an idea of uh, uh, making some money to get them out of their financial trouble. And I write back to them every week, and I write to them quite honestly. I know a lot of them hate me for it, but I've always figured that the nicest thing you can do to anybody is to tell them, how tough the odds are against them. I think that false encouragement is a very uh, cruel thing to give a person. It uh, it, get, it gets you off the hook personally, but it, uh, all you're doing is preparing them for a big bump later on. And so I write back to these people and I explain to them what a very tough racket the songwriting business is. How, as a matter of fact, it is probably the toughest thing to get started in in the world. Show business in itself is tough enough, but uh, writing songs is, the, is, a, is even tougher. And so many of these people, it breaks my heart to see these... Uh, songs that they have written that come in uh, printed, and on the bottom it has the name of some publishing company in Hollywood or in New York that nobody ever heard of before. Now, I'm going to read you this article. It says, Hollywood talent sharks who allegedly prey upon persons hopeful of success in the glitter world of music, screen, dance, radio, and television today were targets of a federal mail fraud crackdown. Four men nabbed in the first of a series of promised prosecutions Yesterday were charged with using the mails to defraud amateur song lyric writers. Feed on $1,000 bond each after surrendering on a complaint were and they named four men. Uh, The quartet profiteered by promising rosy futures with $50 to $1,500 advance royalties to amateur lyric writers in advertisements and letters. Actually, only a a few small royalties were paid and thousands of dollars in expense fees were collected from the lyric writing hopefuls. You see, that's what happens. You write into these people. You see an ad in the paper that says, if you have written words to a popular song, send them to us and let our uh, professional songwriters put music to them. So you write in, and they'll immediately write back and say, these are great lyrics. They haven't even read them. They'll just write back and say, these are wonderful lyrics, and they'll say, I'm sure that with a, uh, if you will send us $50, we can get this tune published for you. And so actually they will. they will. They will print up three or four copies, and legally they are off the hook because the thing has been published. But nothing comes of it. So my friends... Be very careful about that. Don't get your music published by somebody that you can't check up on and somebody who isn't established in the business because they're just playing you for a sucker and it's a, a, a filthy, rotten thing. So look out for it, will you? <laughs> I don't know. Thank you very much, my friend. Howard, you're just having the gayest old time ever today,
1: aren't you? Yes, that I am. God, that I am. I'm as fit as a bull fiddle and pies as far around. Yes, you are from the profile uh, from the
0: profile. I'm just out there in the profile.
2: Yes. Oh,
0: I like that even I'm just just out there in the audience from the front out there, you look like two thirds of we the people.
2: <laughs>
0: but what makes you so happy today, Howard?
1: Well, you see, Gov, today happens to be Mrs. Petrie's and my insurance anniversary. Your insurance anniversary? That's that's a new one, isn't it? Well, it's a sort of a little family celebration. Not observed by the general public, you know.
0: Yeah, I understand that. But if it it puts you in such high glee, Howard, don't you think you should let us in on it?
1: Oh, very well. Uh It all began, uh, this insurance business, I mean. It all began about three years ago when I bought a new car and took out insurance on it. Uh Well, sir, in about two weeks, I was in a terrible, terrible accident. In your new car? Uh Oh, Howard, that's awful. Awful? Oh, it was wonderful, Gov. It was just ginger peachy. The insurance company paid $625 to get my car fixed. And the policy only cost me eighty. Now, what do you think of that for a profit, huh? Well, I never looked at it just that way before.
2: <laughs>
1: well, sir, right right after that, I took out an accident policy for Alice. Uh, That's Mrs. Petrie, uh, my my wife, you know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but she 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 had it for two years, and oh God, that girl was just miserable. You found out the company was no good. Oh no, the company was fine. It was just that Alice knew that I'd been paying for this policy for two years, and she hadn't had an accident. Uh. Well, sir, it nearly drove her crazy to, to pay for that policy and, and not use it. Yeah, it does seem a shameful waste. <laughs> and I felt so sorry for the girl that I was going to break her arm for a Christmas present last year, but we gave up the idea. Oh, well, Howard, I it was such a sweet thought, though. Yes, and I, I would have done it too. But then it turned out that it wasn't necessary. Oh. On the 9th of November, Alice had an accident. Oh, a lovely, lovely one. <laughs> well, lucky Alice. Yes. Oh, she got up on the roof to make a minor adjustment on our television aerial uh. when she tripped in a loose shingle and slipped off. No. Yes! <laughs> and by, I wish you could have seen that satisfied look on Alice's face as she was on her way down. <laughs> heaven on earth, I'll tell you. But <laughs> was she hurt badly? Oh, broke both her legs. Well,
4: <laughs> lucky, lucky Alice.
1: <laughs> I come, I'll tell you. When she came to in the hospital and saw both her legs in cast. she was just about the happiest girl in Los Angeles County. I do think she would have jumped for joy if she could have jumped at all. Mm-hmm.
0: So her policy wasn't wasted after all, huh? No. Oh, I thought we fortunate, though? Yes. Uh,
2: so.
1: you, do, you don't blame us for celebrating today, do you, God?: I certainly don't, no. I knew no. you wouldn't. No,
0: it must have been Lady Luck herself who sat up on your roof waiting to kick the shingles out from under
1: ours. <laughs> I hope you, you'll give her my congratulations. Colin. Oh, I will take them home in my car with me today. Thank you, guys. Thank you so very nice. much. Happy anniversary. <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it thoroughly
2: <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, the rest of us can consider ourselves lucky If Eileen Woods will come up here and clear the air with a little music You got a tune uh, handy, Eileen, honey? Yes,
3: it, it's a little import from France called The River Seine. The same when she starts on her travels Lazily flows from her soul slowly her length she unraveled twisting and turning her core. Deep in the country she tarries, not knowing which way to go, till the enchantment Beckons her swiftly to flow She goes flowing, flowing, flowing Through the open countryside For she's going, going, going To meet Paris like a bride And she's cooing, cooing Cooing, cooing, cooing like the murmuring does For the same has gone away And it's Paris that she loves fashion Feschon Feschon Feson Le Ju E Lenui Camelch Ezizagante Sequel Estri A Perir and she's cooing, cooing 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 like a murmuring dove for the same has gone a wooing and it's Paris that she music
4: by Arthur Schwartz and uh, words by Howard Dietz something to remember you by from, from the three's a crowd I believe
0: and may I say just the kind of thing that I love to hear you sing best Ken Ken Carson
4: you are leading me, and I will try to face the world
2: alone.
4: What will be, will be, but time cannot erase the love we've
2: known.
4: Let me but have a token through which your love is spoken. You are leaving me, but it will say
2: you're mine.
4: So give me something to remember.
0: Saying bye bye for the whole gang and goodbye out there. Join us again tomorrow at this same time for another Gary Moore show with Eileen Woods, Ken Carson, Howard Petrie, Irving Miller, Billy Wardell, and the boy himself, Gary Moore. Jimmy Matthews speaking. The Gary Moore show is produced
4: by Ralph Rose.
1: The Gary Moore Show was originally released on CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and came to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education.